Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Going off the track is not the name of this podcast. That's a completely different one. You're in the wrong spot. This is Going Off Track. I am Steven in the room with me. Jonah. And Brad. We got, we should do like a roll call thing. Like every time I'm like, going off track, here. roll call. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> Present. Uh, today's guest is Mr. Steven Van Patten. Uh, Jonah and I met Steve a while ago working in the bowels of Fuse. He was a stage manager for one of our shows. Steven's Untitled Rock Show. Steven's Untitled Rock Show. Hosted by Steven Smith. <laughs> Some of you, written by Jonah Bear, uh, produced by Michael Kanjemi, and before him, a whole bunch of people. Um, Available on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, yes, <laughs> Nick.com. We're on, we're on TV land. Canceled by many people. Canceled by a lot <laughs> out of spite and anger and hatred. Um, which is funny because uh, Stephen Van Patten, a celebrated uh, author, he has a series of books called Brookwater's Curse. Please check them out. They are wonderful. We're going to talk to him about his writing. But Stephen is one of those fabulous behind-the-scenes people of television known as the stage manager. And we get into what he does and how he does it and how very few people can do it as well as he can. You go out in television, especially in New York, it's the same four or five folks, and they're really solid at it. Um, and he's worked on so many shows, dude, like from Carson Daly to, to TRL forever. TRL, yeah. He worked on the the Doctor Oz show for a while. He was over there. Really? Yeah, he's done a whole bunch of shit. Um, just a really good dude. And you talk to him, and you're like, wait a minute, you, this, you do other things. And he's this author, and he talks a lot about vampires, vampires, and diversity. Yeah. In the course of it. And ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in a long time, Mr. Michael Kanjemi. Yeah. I'm so glad he was here because it was such like a Stevens Rock Rock Show reunion. And a lot of you listeners probably think that Mike is a myth. (laughs) Yeah. He's a real person. He's just mythological. Just mythological. Yeah. In fact, we just mythed him. So, uh, (laughs) boom. That was a good one. I like it. I think he's up on you. (laughs) Jonah. Uh, Steve Van Patten is a very good dude. Please check out his books. And I can't remember the publisher, but we're going to link to it. And you can check out everything he's written. He has, it's hard to come up with an original take on vampires. And Steve has done it. So without further ado, uh, Stephen Van Halen. Sorry, Stephen Van Patten. Okay, everybody. 
This one is going to be enjoyable, and they all are, but this one mostly for us. You are going to learn a lot of cool stuff. Um, by the way, Jonah and I are going to fade to the background when our guest talks with Mike Kanjemi about horror, so just bear with us because we're all going to learn. But please welcome Mr. Steve Van Patten, acclaimed author and... You don't know this, but we're going to tell you. Acclaimed stage manager. He worked with us at Fuse, and he works with a lot of amazing performers and artists. He's done things that, well, he's going to give you an insider's look at stuff you don't think about. So, Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's about fucking time. I, 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 yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no, you do this thing. What's that thing? Work. Work. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Takes uh, You and Mike both do that thing. Yeah. Me and Steven, not so much. No, not really. I well, know. That's right. Really. Not, you yeah. might work a lot for free, Jonah. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Oh, you mean like this? Yeah, yeah. exactly like this. Uh, <laughs> this is it, actually. This is all pro boner. This is awesome, by the way. I love this room. Thank you very much. We have nothing to do with this. Thanks to uh, Super Producer Brad, we just have the benefit of being the luckiest podcast in existence. I dig it. By being able to piggyback on this awesome space. So uh, this is just going to be fun because we've had friends here before. We've had colleagues here before. We haven't had someone who was with us during the days of the Untitled Rock Show. Oh, oh, wow. Yes. And, and you were there for quite a bit. I was. Quite a bit. And so I just want to dive into, we, we talk about the episode that we feel got us canceled. And I'm not sure if you were the stage I, manager. I was there. And uh, okay. <laughs> actually, I just had a conversation about this with somebody. Really? Not in reference. Because it just kind of came up randomly. Because it was kind of um, revolutionary in just the fact that it was really different. Thank yeah, you. When I went back to Fuse to just to recently, uh, Nidra came up to me and she said, this, I just wanted to thank you for the, one of the greatest days of my life in the control room. That's and right. I said, what? And she was like, the Stephen uh, sleeping episode. <laughs> yep. And literally, we all had a good laugh and we talked about it. We were just like, I can't believe. Well, you can set it up a little. Yeah, you should yeah. explain to people what it set is. Up maybe. The all right. So when the, the hierarchy of, of the rock show, the, I hosted the show, Mike produced it, Jonah wrote it. And um, there were some other people. Um, <laughs> actually, there was just us. There was pretty much just us. Yeah, the the wonderful talent department who chose the the videos and booked the guests. And um, uh, one such person in the talent department uh, booked us, Chrissy Hind, and we were stoked about having her on Pretenders. But it came with a lot of demands, came with a lot of stipulations that fell on Jonah which I, I think it's safe to say ruined how he feels about the pretenders. If he had any feelings to begin with, about they were them. lukewarm to begin with, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, I've never seen Jonah angry before. Uh, mm. This was, I think the first time mm -hmm. I saw Jonah rage. I never it wasn't, it was angry. It was like, it was pure rage. I saw. No. And I think we kind of encouraged it. You did. Rob Crabb wrote an email to me from a fake Chrissy Hind account that he made up. That was like, Hey Jonah, it's Chrissy. Just wanted to let you know, there's like eight more things I need you to take care of before I'll like sit. And I was like, and I kind of thought it was her. Like I was incredibly gullible. I was like, Chrissy Hind's emailing me now. And like people were like, Jonah, it's not really Chrissy Hind. Like you need to chill out. Stood up, hurled her album across the bullpen of Fuse. <laughs> this is Jonah. And then, uh, she had the nerve to cancel. Well, mm. last, can also, last wait, minute. Can I also bring up the fact that I wear lots of boots and she said no one uh, can wear anything resembling leather, even if it's not real leather. I couldn't wear, I'm like, I can't wear my boots. And you know, up until now, I thought that was kind of a joke or that was a prank because 
And for those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm known for wearing a lot of leather. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't that's sound a, right. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a different not visual right at all. Yeah. But boots, mostly. Well, boots, jackets, jackets all yeah. that stuff. Not like right. chaps. No. Chaps, no. as they're called, actually. Right. Sorry. No. Do I have a And thank you for chaps? not saying assless chaps. No. It annoys the they, shit out of me. Because none Isn't of them that, have asses. Is that implied or right. no? It's implied. Yeah. Yeah. No. You say assless. If you have no pants on under chaps... If they're not assless, they're pants. Your you're, ass being is an, out. you're being an asshole. Yeah. Anyway, right. anyway, go ahead. So I had heard all because somebody had come up to me. He's like, "Oh yeah, she's not going to like you." And I'm like, <laughs> well, "What? The, huh? What? Wait." So yes, yeah. piggybacking on that. I, I bought. I had. I wore sneakers and I brought my boots in a bag that day, and I was so mad about it. I actually <laughs> bought them just because I wanted to wear boots, and I was like, you know what? <sighs> I'll wear sneakers for you. Here's the thing: like, I'm all it, yeah. for animal welfare, and like, I have plenty of vegan friends. But I feel like imposing that on like people yeah. who like are just doing their jobs. You know what I mean? Like, to me, like that is like crossing a line where you're crossing into other people's. Like, do whatever you want for yourself. That's totally right. Yeah, just, I don't care. Don't put that on other. Don't people. make me not exactly. wear my boots. I heard a story that even Paul McCartney he didn't want animal print because he thought that was exploitive. Animal crackers, I heard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely. <laughs> that's very funny. Thank so, you. so then she had the gall to cancel, like what, like an hour before, like, totally Pretty last much. minute. Also, yeah. and, and, and she was like, back. I got, I wasn't. No one was allowed to touch her. I couldn't shake her hand. That was a big thing in the in the paperwork. I got. She was like promoting yeah. some weird album with like this, like her, her some like young guy who was like. And it was like really boring. I was like, this, yeah, had that album, I was yeah. like, why? I don't know. It was like, you know, like she hadn't had like done anything relevant in so long. And I was like, this is a long list for someone who's like could walk down like Seventh Avenue and no one would probably recognize her anymore. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this comes from. I'm like so mellow it. with everything else. This is like such a raw nerve for me. Yeah, Chrissy Hind and Juno, man. Yeah, Chrissy Hind and Juno. Those are my two Achilles heels. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Wow. So he bails and. In the TV world, even if you think there's no script, that's someone who did an excellent job of writing because there's scripts for everything, even these reality shows that aren't. There's always a script. There's something going on. So we needed a script. And when you're down to it, the script has to go down to the control room. You have to have things plugged in. There are graphics that need to be done. We were all set with this, and all of a sudden we have nothing. And mind you, we've discussed before our slacker mentality. We would do them. You know, we would start in the morning. You know, we weren't too ahead of the game, but it was a fucking video rap show. We weren't carrying cancer, you know? Yes. So she she bails, and I'll Mike, take it from here. And then Steven uh, look, comes into the control room and looks at me, and he goes, well, Chrissy Hine, canc- Chrissy Hine canceled. Uh, we're doing it. And I said, we're doing what? No. No. I saw his face. And he goes, we're doing it. And he's got this like smirk on his face where I knew it was happening anyway. And at this point, you were exec, you had, you were exec producer. You, you Trump could Trump me anyway. Even if I was like, we're friends, I'm going to get fired. And you were like, we're doing it anyway. Exec producer. And I was like, oh, God damn it. So in hindsight, we did get fired. Yeah. But it was actually one of the fun. So I was like, I guess. Well, and then I turned around. And I looked at Whitney, who was in the control room with us. He was our production manager. Production manager, and she goes, "What are you guys doing?" And I was like, "Just don't, just relax. Just don't worry about it. Uh, I guess we're doing it. Like, fuck it, we're doing it." And I started to think maybe this is actually going to be kind of funny. And we started, you know, so Stephen's like, we're doing the, the sleep episode, which, which is an idea he's been tossing around for <laughs> years, a long time. And basically it just meant we're going to, he was going to sleep through his host reads in different positions and just go to videos. So then someone has to tell 
our stage manager, this is what's happening. And yeah. you're basically going to be cueing someone with their eyes shut. And we had a couch and we had a chair, so there were options. We oh, could yeah. Do, you know, there was a lot of <laughs> options we had. Uh, well, it was, uh, I think the words you said to me when you first walked up on set were, well, you're in for the easiest payday of your life. <laughs> I, I think, what because i'm i'm still like all right am i supposed to strip now because this woman is coming and <laughs> so now i'm i'm getting hit with easiest day of your you know yeah i gotta do the show nude right because you know, this animal activist crazy person's coming and, you know, and no, now we're going to slaughter this goat in front of her because yeah. that's <laughs> if i had a goat. yeah but um yeah and then you show up and, and you're like okay and then it was the, it was surreal, and I it, like halfway through it, I had to like literally hold my hand over my mouth because I was I was about to bu- bust out laughing. Yeah, I never actually heard the control room all hysterically laughing at once. Like, like everybody was belly laughing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, and it was my best. I think it was one of my best jobs producing ever. Where I'd be like, uh, Stephen, can you crouch a little bit? Like, yeah, put, tuck your knees up. Beautiful. Okay, we're ready. <laughs> You know, and we'd put you in a few different positions. I mean, yeah, you know, it there was, was a couple. There was like face down. It yeah. was like kind of fetal. Yeah, fetal kinda, was a good, it, it was a yeah, like a little a bit deal. falling off the chair. You know, cuddling with the the camera the- operators <laughs> were having a ball. Oh god, uh, it was hilarious. We did some beautiful camera moves. <laughs> I'd like to think that for a lot of the camera operators that we that we've worked with, who've all gone on to say the Tonight Show um, and other fine programs, watch what happens live and such, that you know, we really prepped them. Mm-hmm. Dude, we made it was like tr- serious training ground mm-hmm. that's that episode <laughs> and well the other funny part was we didn't tell um our boss our bosses <laughs> uh and that's where production management came in to me and was like you can't just let this happen like you have to go tell somebody and i said no i don't i don't want to uh i think what we're i think we're just gonna do it and then hope that nobody sees it <laughs> And that's when like Whitney had like a panic attack and she like, she was like, I can't believe it's not happening. And I was like, no, no, it's hap- It's we're, we're sh- right now. It's happening. It's, nobody's watching the feed. Thank God. It didn't get us canceled. The writing was on the wall because they already fucked us out of our rerun and they took us from the coveted, you know, after school time slot and put us in the mid afternoon. Yeah. So, and then not getting a rerun, you know, and on a digital cable channel at the time where everything is done in rotation. So every few hours, everything happened again. Mm-hmm. They fucked us out of that. So yeah. like, did, I, did you ever hear any specific like feedback from any high ups at Fuse? About- I heard, I heard one gentleman that we all know and loved. Uh, he said, I saw the sleep show and that was it because then the next but episode, how did he say it? Uh, kind of in the nonchalant dickish way. He always spoke. <laughs> okay. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Ah, uh, God bless it. Um, and he went on to annoy everybody. But uh, the next, then we shot the next set of episodes, and all I did was go, "Man, I was tired." <laughs> That's how I opened the next show. I thought that was the funniest part of the it whole thing. Oh, we really had to God. watch it episodically. I thought we got some good feedback on from the like the fans on the sleep episode. I think people, the kids, were like all into it. And people who don't didn't like me as a host, they you know really dove on. Like, that was the best work you've ever done. That was some solid shit. Yeah, that was. I good. feel like I wrote a script for it, and you were like, "Nah, we're good." <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, threw something together. You're like, "No, don't worry about it." And and we're like, good. Sorry. No, it's, it's pretty amazing. No, do not apologize. Um, I want to uh, talk about all the the fun uh, writing you do after this because we had someone on the show one time. Uh, who was a casting director and she also did a web series. Mm-hmm. And then we just dove in and just got really cool and insider because people don't think about 
the magic of television and the inner workings. And mm-hmm. I remember there was a period of at Fuse where they said, well, we're going to cut corners and we're going to hire just a floor producer. And I remember going, no, I, you need to have a stage manager. Like this is very important. Yes. And wh- how does one begin? Well, basically running the show on the floor when you're a stage manager, because you have the headset on, you're talking to everybody and everything and right. you have to be the liaison between the host, the talent, like the whole thing. How did you get started doing that? Well, <clears throat> I, Started off like most people behind the scenes. I'm doing production assistant work and uh, I was taken under the wing of a stage manager because uh, it, it's kind of funny how it worked out. He wanted to direct, but he needed someone to take his place on the floor if he was going to be in the control room. It's sort of like a like a little mentoring circle that I kind of fell into over at HBO Downtown Productions. See, it's about a million years ago. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, stage managing is funny because it's one of those things that you look really cool doing it and other people are all like, oh, wow, that's so this, that's so that. And how'd you, but depending on the show, it can be absolute misery because simply because you're kind of caught between what everybody else wants what the director wants, what the producers want. And the directors and the producers aren't always uh, communicating, especially if you have a floor producer who's getting the information about what the producer wants before you get it because you're just talking to the director. So what will happen is, and you know, like most control rooms are built with a front row and that's the director and most of the people I'm talking to and the back row, which is mostly producers and all of the, you know, and supposedly everybody's supposed to interface and work together. But you know, it, it's always been the case that, you know, just because we work in a communication business, that doesn't always mean we can communicate. No, especially when someone's sitting directly in front of you and you're not supposed to talk to them. You're supposed to hit them, talk to them on the headset, right, Mike? Yes. yes. I don't do that, but in the control room, I just blurt. I'm loud and, you know, I'm a different. Also, by the way, working, I'm different to work with than a lot of people that you probably work yes, with. Yes, you too, are. Like, being, I mean, just that I'm not awful. Like, I'm, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think just, and I, and I got a, good, a rem, I got a nice <laughs> reminder of that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh my god, though we had a. I'm not mentioning any names, but we I saw I saw you look like you wanted to like headbutt somebody because you have to also deal with people's people that yeah. want to be on set. The entourage of Oof, the celebrity man. who often have oh. themselves confused with the actual celebrity <laughs> who chime in. And, and decide yes. in the middle of post reads that they don't want them to say a certain thing. Yes, apparently one of the reads, the the young lady in question that we're mm-hmm. sort of referencing, but without bringing up the actual name, uh, was it Chrissy did, Hind? No, I would have had to not. be naked. That yeah. Yeah. Whole other I would have been, been in like sneakers <laughs> and just grumpy. Yeah, yeah. and you know, because and since I bless, I I basically dress like Blade the Vampire Slayer <laughs> half the time. Yeah, I, I would have had to be in my underwear. Yeah, you um, remember the read though? You could, but uh, yes, I remember the, the, there was this one read where I guess they didn't. Like I guess rice. She didn't was want to say. Uh, so the line that uh, was written was, "It's we we're doing. It's a show. We we're doing some steamy videos, and it's it's about to get so steamy in here. We could cook rice or something along the lines of that. You know, it was a. And she's like, I don't want to. I don't no, want to say. I don't want to say. It. I don't no, want to I... say. And I was like, you don't want to say what? What does she want to say? She doesn't want to say rice. She doesn't want. She wants to say way instead of rice. 
And I was like, like curds and whey. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, everyone's like, Mike, what do you think? And I was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to headbutt my keyboard. Hold on. And <laughs> no, why can't you say rice? And she, it was her. And that held, that held us up for 20 minutes. Yeah. No, literally. Way. Yes yeah. way. She kind of, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> Jonah's. <laughs> I really didn't do that one on purpose. I was wondering. That's amazing. I really didn't. Um, that was still good. Yeah, she, I, I chimed in with, I guess we need a gluten-free script. Um, uh, that's funny as uh, shit. Thank yeah. you. But that uh, was, you know. That's my favorite thing about stage managers is hacking someone else's good idea, which I know I did to you like a thousand times. That's all host you anyways. Like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to make it sound like me. Probably. Yeah. Which is perfect. But it, people don't realize that, you know, you have the pre-tape shows, which we can all agree you're just like. <laughs> Oh God, punch me in the face. Cause you know, you're just sitting there for days, but then you have the live shit, which is, uh, at least for me is always fun. Even if it's yes. a terrible show. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Live is always preferable. What was your, did you start doing live? Cause it, did you, you did TRL, right? I did TRL. I did TRL on and off, but pretty much from beginning to end. Wow. Yeah. And that, I mean, from watching that, you just, that's gotta be complete insanity. Uh, yes, it was not. Not the worst thing I've done since, but definitely a very intense show to work on. Because live every day for how many hours was it? Um, usually one hour. Sometimes it went to ninety minutes. Um, the hours, uh, the airing hours always changed because, of course, it was geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. So in the summer, uh, it, it was the the <clears throat> air times would change. You know, because it was like, oh yeah, well they're not in school. A lot of times we did the summer programming in a beach house somewhere. So you'd spend a few weeks or even a month in San Diego or, you know, Florida or something like that. Um, it was a crazy time. It was it was back when MTV had money and they were, uh, you know, somewhat concerned with music. <laughs> What's How's the dynamic different when you're doing your job if there's like a live audience kind of like right next to you? Does that change things? It, yeah, it does. It's um, it's another thing to worry about because now you're you're bringing in the general public. And even with a casted audience, you have to you have to worry about their safety. You have to worry about the one there's always one idiot. I was going to say that <laughs> asshole. You know there's he's going to be there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I've had I've had situations I did a hip hop thing. Here's a surprise. I did a hip hop thing for MTV uh once and one of the guys in the audience was wanted. Police actually can't, and it was live. So the police actually showed up, scoured through the crowd as they were fucking walking out, and picked the dude up. And it was like, wow, you are an idiot. <laughs> That's like, really? You had to see Meek Mills that bad? <laughs> that you, like, really? It's like, you're just looking at the dude like, what? It's like, you know, so it, there's always that. There's always there's always the the one girl that wants to talk her way past you so they can get to Jazzy J. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's yeah, uh, having an audience, and and it's funny because I also after you know post TRL I've done plenty of things, and one of the things I, I did post TRL was the Jeremy Kyle show, which is a conflict resolution, as I you know do little quotation fingers type show and where i actually had to walk up on stage and hand in the dna results and the lie detector i never told you this no um 
<clears throat> yeah. So I would have to hand this stuff in, walk back off and whatever. I mean, great crew, great host. Subject matter had me drinking more than I have ever <laughs> been drinking in my life. I, I, I was going home twisted I, and, and would burn sage because I, I was, I mean, you know, it's like babies in dumpsters and all this oh, other God. heinous, heinous stuff. But I have Facebook friends from that audience now. Because I we we would spend so much time together that I and, and it's mostly you know older women you know so it's just like you know then they would all be like you're so cute you're so cute doing your little stage manager job <laughs> and you know so then you know it's like and it was funny too because you know you you get the friend request and you're like you have Facebook you're like eighty years old <laughs> it's like, like it's all I have whatever <laughs> it's fine it's like well like face lift book but hey oh. <laughs> Wow, nice. before Jonah. That's yeah, amazing. I'm impressed with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank nice you. work. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been an interesting ride, to say the least. It always amazed me that, you know, from the production side, you know, you work on your scripts, you get everything. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the director and the stage manager and the crew who were never involved in that process. But then you just have to, they're just so good at their jobs. They're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Like, you never saw a script to like, what, an hour before? If. That. If. If. You yeah. know, and then and you sometimes f- still don't. Sometimes I, I just get handed a rundown. Oh, God. And like, that just okay. blows my mind that, that, and we, for those of you who don't understand television, I don't mean that in a um, derogatory way. It's weird. It depends on where you work. Like what we yes. did was, if it was with a major network, there would have been 30 people doing that. Like, like Jonah would have had a team of writers working underneath him true. to put all this stuff together, which Very I true. would love to have seen. <laughs> um sure that's good cool <laughs> you need more puns you know and then there was like a whole group of people so you've run the gamut of shows with tons of teams yes and small crews like which do you like better actually um i prefer well both have both have their strengths and weaknesses pluses minuses but uh i prefer small and intimate and you've worked on like like did you do, did you work on the John Oliver show at HBO? I did the uh, the premiere. God, dude, that's just like you have like all these shows and people you have to work on that. I'm sure people get to ask you, are they as cool as they as you want them to be? Yes. See, that's the best. Part. And that would be one of the cases where where John Oliver is totally as cool as you would want him to be. Uh, one of the other misgivings, though, is more often than not, I will run into somebody who will be a complete ass to me and up until that moment they were almost like a hero like morgan freeman did that to me oh oh no morgan freeman like like i mean he he might like and this was for bet tonight with ed gordon came out on set oh it's too cold in here and from then on i mean did everything outside of kick me in the balls i mean was just complaining and nasty the whole way and it was just like wow and you okay. can't say or do anything <clears throat> nope <sighs> uh, see that's where you and i differ well, <laughs> we have to. I know. God bless it. Why? Well, I, I, that's why I always fall back on passive aggression. Like, really, too cold? Because you're old, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's old. why we do a free podcast. That's exactly why we do a free podcast. Damn it! Yeah, there are there are times I have to swallow it, and then uh, I think you've been there a couple of times when I don't. Yeah, which and is always funny. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I just think it's awesome. Now, and this is the fun thing about like people are, you know, stage managing, you can have a long career. There's not that many of you out there. No. Um, and everyone seems to know each other. And like most hosts that I know, everybody's pretty cool. Like, yes. and, and when you meet up, it's, oh, you did that gig. Oh, I did that. That's cool. That was crazy. And you trade stories and stuff. But then you have this other job that is your job that I heard about from you and others were like, you got to check out uh, Steve's books. And I went, wait, what? What does he do? And they said, oh, he writes uh, a series about vampires. And I went, well, of course he does. I knew that immediately upon meeting him. That's kind of his thing. But how long have you been working on these books? And now there's a series. What? There's uh, It's three now. Three. Man, it's just awesome. Uh, I heard about it from a very good friend of ours. She's a producer, Becky, over at uh, Fuse. She was like, dude, they're awesome. And then I look at it and I see the artwork on the cover and I'm like, this artwork looks familiar. And it's our good friend, former podcast, Jim Shear, Jim Shear, who drew it. Uh, how long have you been into these kind of stories? How does horror play in your life? And when did you decide to start it yourself? Oh, my God. That's how much time right do there. we have? Um, well, I wanted to get a question in in parts because well, Mike's going to take go. over. No, but you, you need to explain. <laughs> yeah. That's a good. No. See, from a very, very early age, I found myself watching vampire movies. Uh, <clears throat> and I mean, Christopher Lee was probably my first real, it, 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 like, pull-in. And what was amazing about him is some of those movies, he barely says 10 words. But his presence is just like, and, you know, you're as a little kid, you're literally under the bed. Um but of course, being a little kid, breaking, you know, sneaking around, waiting until my mother's asleep and, you know, watching all these movies and doing all this other craziness. And along with that came the discovery of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Um, and then eventually I saw Blackula and I'll, I'll get back to that. But, um, you know, all of that sneaking around, of course, eventually led to me being terrified out of my mind as I finally do go to sleep. So then that's when I started to delve into the research and the actual, uh, just sort of, knowing like let's say a monster were to show up in the bedroom what would i do and then so then i as even as a little kid in order to get to go to sleep i actually convinced myself that yeah all right i'm good because i know this i know this you looked at it from a practical standpoint i I was a very practical six-year-old we pretty much much were the same kid i think (laughs) yeah yeah Pretty, pretty practical. Yeah, I would watch. I would watch enough. Like I would sneak down to watch like anything that was basically horrifying, and mm-hmm. then I couldn't sleep. And then I had to convince myself that I could take care of business if it went down. Like exactly. okay, I know but things. Is, is that the switch that happens in your head? Because there are those say me who see something <laughs> scary and go, "Well, fuck this forever." You know, to be honest, ah, I ah. understand. No, but to be honest, what it got it, what got me was I. It it made me feel more like you could watch a comedy or you could watch. Any other movie, and and you could just go right. okay, and then like kind of go home, sit down, and eat a sandwich, or who cares? And then a horror movie would literally stick with you, and it would like that was the part that intrigued me about it. like a whole theater of people screaming, and then you leave, and you're like, I'm fucked up. I got like it's taken a while for me to. It makes you actually feel so much that I was like, oh my mm-hmm. god, I'm now I want more of this. Yes, and I know it's fake. But man, that was so like you know no no other movies really like grip me like mm-hmm. you know you know you. You laugh, you have a few chuckles at some films, but then it's like, if it's a serious, like, not that I'm, it wasn't even like slasher movies. It was more like monster films yes, that did it. Exactly. To me. But everybody seems to find mm-hmm. their, their niche. Like, you know, like some people nowadays, it's all zombies. But for you, even back then, it was vampires and vampires mm-hmm. were only 
like really, really kind of the, the Hammer films were the one thing that kind of tied everybody together. There wasn't that much. Hammer films and, of course, a, a man that you probably know, uh, Dan Curtis. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was the force behind, <clears throat> excuse me, Dark Shadows and, right. and Kolchak and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. And Dark Shadows was cool, too. That was oh. another thing, you know. Right. It was, I mean. Oh, yes. But, feel, you know. um, so you're arming yourself mentally in case shit absolutely. goes down. Absolutely. So then it became okay to just take on more and more and more. And I, you know, and, and Mike brings up a good point that I, I think to some degree we're kind of like adrenaline junkies. Yeah, that's what it is. It makes you, you know? kind of feel like, you know. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And as a kid, too, you're just like, I don't know what this is, but man, like, it's kind of, I kind of don't want to, it's like going on a, like a scary roller coaster. Yes. Why do people do that? You know, yes. and some people are terrified of them. Because then nothing's off- going to kill you. Well, it might. You never know. It might. Have but you been there's on the a kid hitting a lever and I trust him. There's a cyclone. I've been on the, I go on the cyclone every time I go to Coney. It's my favorite roller coaster. I do think I may die when I'm on it. But then the guy will be like, hey, give me two bucks. You go around again. I'll be like, here's the bucks. Here you go. <laughs> Usually I've had a few Nathan's And the Cyclones a, is a Brooklyn institution. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> anyway. But then the other thing is as I, as I got older I'm, and I started to notice, you know, from a socially conscious standpoint, how African-Americans were, and people of color in general, how, how they're handled in horror movies, which sometimes, you know, left a little to be desired. First of all, there's the general Hollywood... Uh, fact of life of of just that you know it's like sometimes the characters are not flushed out properly very stereotypical um and and that started to ring to me to a certain degree because it's like okay well here's this some this here's this thing that i love that doesn't necessarily love me back so somewhere along that way i discovered the blackula movies blackula and scream blackula scream 70s movies uh about <clears throat> basically the movies are about an african prince who is in fact turned into a vampire by count dracula himself and then deposit somehow is deposited into 1970s uh california where he goes on a brief little rampage for two movies and then that's kind of done but the thing that rang true to me with those two movies is that the character was not you know a jive talking yo what's up what's happening he was very dignified with a cape right (laughs) not that dolomite's a bad thing you know necessarily dolomite is very exactly (laughs) you know i've gone to see dolomite's show live at uh, bb king's as a matter of fact yes um (laughs) lots of fun um best part about that just to sidetrack best part about that all the uh, Midwesterners that brought their kids that didn't know, they just brought their kids to a show, not realizing <laughs> that he was literally going to come out on stage and, and do limericks about fucking a goat in a coat and a pig in a wig. So, yeah, and then they would just, they just got up and I got better seats because I got to move up. Yeah. But anyway, um, so Blackula, <laughs> Blackula was portrayed by William Marshall, who was this very dignified, deep-voiced, Shakespearean-trained actor. And he and, and it was like, yeah, that's how black folks should be in horror movies. That's what I'm talking about. And then as uh, the years went on, I, and I became a stage manager that still needed a creative outlet because, as we've just discussed, that job, while it's... 
challenging um while it it can provide a, a a nice income and a career and all that other stuff it's not a creative outlet it's more a logistical thing so you know sans creative outlet i sat down and i started writing uh these three books and they're basically about an 1860s georgia plantation slave who becomes a vampire um and the three books are basically his adventures that bring him to modern time and but there's there's everyone always has you know i like it when there's a twist that i didn't think of you mm-hmm. know when i read is you know we're all comic nerds here yes and uh some more so than others uh but like you you have an idea that i had never heard of before mm-hmm. of how someone becomes a vampire yes well you know er, <clears throat> as i delved into the culture i learned that authors from Anne rice to stephen king and everybody else uh they all would take their own little twist on the rules on the rules exactly so my twist on the rules was that in order to become a vampire you have to be bitten by a male and a female and i i went through this whole like science enzyme thing and hormones and whatever and in the book i explain a lot better than i will right now but um Yeah, that so that was that was one of my little additions or addendums to the uh, to the mythos. I think it's cool because it's you don't. See, I've never heard that. And after a while, like when you read comics and fantasy and stuff, you're basically just there's what ten stories that are told. Like you're basically seeing the same story over and over again right. with different people's twists. So when I hear something brand new, I'm like, oh shit! Right on. Yeah. Good for you. When did you start writing Brookwater's Curse? I started uh, late 90s, right around the time I started Total Request Live, oddly enough. Interesting how a vampire idea came out of working on a (laughs) daily live show geared towards teenagers. Yeah, how about that? Mm. If only you could market vampire stuff to teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the funny thing is, I, I just... I just didn't have the mental capacity for making a tweeny sparkly romance novel. So that never, you know, Vampires unfortunately that never occurred to me. Is that, I mean, what's that like though? I mean, like, is it like, ugh, like I've been doing this like legit thing and then like, or is it like you appreciate it at a different level? Cause I know you're a fan of the twilight stuff. So like, are you huge, really? huge. Really? I thought oh. you read those books. I did read Please them. Don't. doesn't mean I like them. But you got through all the books. I mean, like, that's uh, yeah, but that's just the, that's the barely... nerd in me. It's just like, oh, fuck. I can right. see what Look, the fuck happens. Let's just, let's just get this out of the way. This <laughs> Twilight thing. All right. <laughs> my, wife, my wife got into the Twilight thing when it first started happening. As did mine. Look, it's okay to bend some rules and create new you know, versions of the rules, which I like. Absolutely. What I don't. All right. So I went to actually go see this with her. I drank. Uh, a bunch before I went to the theater and I was like, I really don't want to. And she's like, just come on. And it was me and literally like 400 like teenage girls and their moms and my wife. And I was out loud. I would say things like, where's the teeth? Where's the, they don't have teeth. And my wife's like, Shh, it's just that their, their teeth are extra sharp to begin with. And I was like, that's bullshit. Where's the fangs? And they, they don't have fangs. And I was like, oh, I got a dentist on Nostrand Avenue that can hook me up with that. I was like, dude, those guys have like nice veneers. Like they're, they're beautiful teeth, but I don't want that. And then, and I was like, but they're outside. They're outside when it's, the sun doesn't cook them. No, they shimmer. What do you mean? They, 
they have like sparkles. They sparkle in the sunlight. That sucks. Like this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> then not I'm, I can't even like there's so much, but then they had they you didn't like in, something that was immensely popular. They did very well. That's shocking. They went into so I was like, well, there's werewolves in this too, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. Because <laughs> fucking werewolves are, dude. What's cooler than like a a beast man that comes, you know, like this? You break, rip out of your, you know, clothes. You're this crazy half man, half beast. No, no, no. They turn into like big cuddly puppies. What? But that's a giant wolf. Yeah. I mean, it's scary, but no. But where's the wolf, the man wolf part? No, 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 no. They're just big, cuddly, like cute dogs. That's fucking bullshit too. So a whole thing. I just hated all of it. Like, there's not even. I get that it's teeny bopper and it's cute and like they hire good looking people and whatever that. Who's that girl? Well, the sunlight thing. That I mean, that goes back to uh, Stoker. That's the, the mythos. Here's like yeah. here's the thing. You know what kills vampires? Sunlight. That's it. Yeah. No, you, no, Dracula <laughs> well, could walk but, around her in the day. No, no and, that's true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And Blade too. There's a whole no, and there's well, a, you know, Blade is a hybrid, right? Which is also a totally awesome idea. I well, like how, all of that yes, too. Did you read Blade when he first came out in Marvel? I have the first comic, uh, his first appearance. Now, how stoked were you? Like, like you're like, oh, was it like finally? Well, I mean, at, at that time I was a small child, so I hadn't quite put together, you know. You know what I now appreciate. Old understand. white dudes writing a black superhero. Yeah, <laughs> right. The exactly. Good, the, the, good, the good times when of it comics. first happened. Right when it first happened, um, and it's so funny because I don't know if you you've ever seen that comic, but he's not the he's not wearing black leather and he's got all sorts <laughs> of like silver Batmanish type weapons. He's literally he's literally Shaft. He has a fro, goggles. Uh, a brown jacket that you would have seen brothers wear, you know, <laughs> like like a, a jacket straight out of American Gangster. Yeah, basically the movie, the Denzel movie, mm-hmm. American Gangster, something something along those lines, and wooden throwing daggers that he kind of had strapped around his his way, and he evolved into the guy that you see now. But the, was the backstory still that he was a hybrid? The backstory was pretty much the same. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, so he's a hybrid cool. of human and vampire. Or? Yes. Well, his okay. mother was bitten. His mother was bitten while she was pregnant, which is so. Ra- I think that's a cool concept. Like, yeah, the fact, a, the fact that know. Mar Wolfman came up with that. I mean, you got to give him credit yeah, for that. That's a pretty that's cool concept. Like, that's next level. He he must have had some good hash or some shit. Yeah. When, during when during, his, during his tenure at Marvel, he he did quite a bit. Oh yes, he pulled out. A, I mean, he's the one that brought the the invaders back, which I was a huge fan of. That's right. Which was really cool. But he, like, you know, he did stuff so well that he went over to DC and they did the new Teen Titans mm-hmm. and had, you know, another African-American superhero. One of the first was Cyborg. You know That's what I mean? right. So it, I, I, when I see characters like that, you know, growing up, I don't know, I grew up as an army brat. So it was just all cultures together and there were no races. There was officers enlisted, but there weren't races. You right. just hung out with everybody, didn't give a shit. So when I would read a comic, I wouldn't think of it on that level. As I get older now and I'm reading stuff and I'm like, man, the Avengers are white. Except for this guy who has black in front of his name. That I didn't realize how obnoxious and racist that was <laughs> until now. I get that he's Goliath, but this one's black Goliath. That's <laughs> fucked up. And there you go. Awfully fucked up. Oh yeah. So when so so you're writing your stories and was there I mean, who did you have to look up to in the fantasy world that spoke to you? Like did you feel like, oh shit, I have to fill this need or like 
fuck it, this is what I like. I'm just going to write it. Uh, no, it was really more what I felt was missing. You know, and it was a very dignified, at least I'm aiming for dignified yet exciting when I, when I put together the, the, my main character. Um, I often get the, the whole, oh, so he's like Blade. And it's like, no, 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 no. He's not like Blade. Cause first of all, he's a full on vampire and he has full on vampire issues. Uh, <clears throat> the twist is really not so much being like Blade as it is more acknowledging the fact that, well, you know, if you were a, a black vampire wandering the streets, you'd actually have to be more concerned about stuff like stop and frisk. <laughs> Why am I laughing? That's true know, and awful. But, it, you know, it, it's like that's the thing. Yeah, it's like it, in a lot of the other vampire fare or whatever, you know, it's like it's either you're a human or you're a vampire. And, and then, of course, as it's become more politically incorrect or, or more politically correct or, or more of a mechanism to add color to the cast of your movie, then... You know, yes, of course, and there's going to be black characters and everything else like that. But in the case of being a vampire, like, think about that. If I were walking the streets with silver daggers around my waist, I wouldn't just have to worry about my vampire fighting. Now, would I? I there would be the extra of, it's like, okay, so, hey, guy in black leather coat, uh, uh, come talk to me for a second. It'd be, you know, the police. It would just be an added thing. Is, is that how does that evolve in your stories? With like, you know, dare I assume? Aside from okay, so he's black and he's a vampire, and there are other vampires, and they're white. Are they racist to him as well? Like, no, no, no. I, the way I, I constructed that is that for the most part, the white vampires are enlightened, so it's not an issue for them at all what blood is the blood. issue right <laughs> the issues come from the fact that if he if my main character is walking down the street or wherever and he sees someone like, like he sees some cops beating up a black guy for no reason you know then he has to struggle with okay do i intervene whereas a white vampire would be like oh human nonsense and he just keep going so it's really what the the twist on that end is what he cares about as a you know the fact that the things <clears throat> the fact that what he cares about doesn't change just because he's a vampire if that makes any sense that does make sense because it's like you would care about that anyway just being a vampire is just who he is right see yeah. social I mean, satire how far ahead do you kind of work out the story arc like when you're doing a series like do you have like all like 10 books from now figured out oh god get- no <laughs> oh god no because you know as you guys know i also spend 10 hours a day in a television studio <laughs> right so that would all be pretty <laughs> difficult um and as it is i i don't sleep i um <laughs> i i haven't uh been able to start you know a family well there's other reasons why i haven't been married or anything like that but are you a vampire uh no um, do you think that would actually make here's things the, easier do you think you'd make a good do you think you would make a good vampire like would you would you be into it or like i i think about stuff like that and i'm always like what would it be like to just be like first of all immortal like would you get bored like eventually would you just be like dude i'm 900 well you know Shit what still sucks like uh, is it like or do you think it would be kind of amazing and like you know interesting and I think it would be interesting, but then at the same time, and I'm already starting to touch on this. I, I touch on this a little bit in the third book, 
And when I do the fourth and what will probably be the final in the series, um, I'm touching what I'm going to touch on more so is just the fact that as he's gotten older, I mean, even though he doesn't look any different, he's becoming more cantankerous, more annoyed by young, annoyed by young people nonsense. And that's, that's already played into the story like a couple of times is like, cause this one time he finds out that his, uh, there's this one part in the second book where he finds out that his, uh, grandchild. And by the way, he's the only vampire that can have children in the whole mythos. I like but that. I'll touch. I'll, yeah, I like that. Okay. I'll, I'll flip into that more in the fourth book. And, and cause as, as you look at me like that, it's like, there's been pl- plenty of people that are like, okay, why is he the only one that can have kids? It's like, I, I do have something worked out where in the fourth book, that's going to, be the you know be a big discovery a big aha moment but he confronts this boy this crack dealing boyfriend of his granddaughter and he does it in a way that a very old school black person would you know just kind of slap him around and you know that's the kind of stuff that from that's the kind of stuff that's fun for me because it helps me vent on social issues Mm -hmm. so that's, that's cool. And I mean, I do think people don't think about that. Like when you, people watch shows like True Blood or whatever, right? And you, you know, you're talking about like, do you, do you watch True Blood? Yes. I mean, I've, watched, I've watched it since the I beginning. I have to, so though, I don't do anything that they do. Well, here's the thing, too. <laughs> here's the other thing, too. It's like I'm annoyed by it, but I'll totally watch it. And like, you know, I literally... I'm, oh, yeah, and they, they're totally off the rails they as far they've as gone off the like deep end. making and, any kind of sense. Right. But like also like, you know, everyone's like fighting over Eric or Bill. And I'm like, dude, they're old dudes. Like, you don't even think about it. like you. Oh, I want to suck that 800-year-old cock. And wait, first of all, second, <laughs> second by the thing way, is... This, I don't mean to be gross. But like, do they come blood? Is that because they cry blood? Don't so is get that what well, this. You're, this is another thing. So I'm also like, there's a lot of these like sex. The True Blood, they do like crazy sex scenes where it's oh, like you yeah. know, and it's like they do this like rapid vampire fucking, and it's so weird. It's like bizarre speed fucking, and like okay, but vampires would be very cold to the touch. Am I right? I mean, it wouldn't be yeah. nice to snuggle in bed with a vampire. They're going to be cold and kind of smelly. Most likely, they don't. They they're dead people. Mm. I mean. They're undead, but they're they're so physically. Could they get boners? Is my question, and I didn't. I don't know how. Like that, they do. They have to drink blood, and then they get a boner for a certain amount of time. But unless they have more blood, I mean, let's face it. The 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 vampire. If you boners. actually broke down the actual science, which is why no one does this, right? If you actually broke down the actual science, it makes no sense. This is whatsoever. what I think about all the time. So, <laughs> and, I, and, and, and and no, I'm with you. But at the same time, for me, that's why one why I understand I don't understand the speed fucking. I, yeah, that's, it's that's weird. bizarre. Yeah, but I do, <laughs> I do adhere to a certain notion because I don't touch on any of that in in my stuff because it's always made sense to me that vampires be attractive to a degree, and not even so much like overly supermodelly like the Twilight cast. Right, right, right. What I mean is just the fact that, you know, in a, let's say in a pickup scenario, a vampire does well. Right. Not for the simple fact that if you are a vampire that has no game 
again using finger quotations. You're, you're not going to be eating <laughs> then that well. You're, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then you don't yeah. eat. Right. And maybe there were some, and they all died out. Right. So you they only that's eligible uh, too. Totally. Right. So, it's but you know, it, vampires it's like, and Darwinism. I'm liking where this is going. Right. You know. Right. So. Um, yeah, to me, it never, you know, I, I stay away from anybody smelling bad or anything like that because ultimately it's you like need to be you, attractive, you right? do have to be attractive. You do have to, you know, get people in bed. So right. how stoked are you for the strain? I'm very stoked for that. See, that goes. I'm that's, going, that's I'm going the, to enjoy that. That's good. That? It's Guillermo del Toro's new vampire series. It's on Fox. Fox. Yeah, something. And it's and it's the complete opposite. It's like the older you get as a vampire, you turn into like a slug blood sucking creature. Like you don't, you're not a. You're not like this, yeah. yeah no, this like ageless, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Person. I don't know if I can handle it. I'm, I'm such a wuss. Now, your books is it all self published? No, I actually have a publisher. Now. Right I on. started self published. Uh, I have a publisher, very small press. Um, oh, and I'm actually in the Horror Writers Association of America now. So that's how, do, a, how do you get in that? Uh, royalties. Well, you know, after I got a publisher, then you know, just compiled the. Uh, you know what the royalties were and you know you submit your paperwork to uh horror writers and uh, they accepted me right on. so i have uh, meetings my you know the networking will uh take on a, a whole new thing and uh i was telling mike that uh uh going to the uh uh bram stoker awards gonna hang out with those folks out there in atlanta uh, and it's uh i think it's may may of 2015 oh what about comic um oh and and that's right and they'll have a a table at comic-con so i'll be at comic-con and i'll have some time san diego no new york new york one i mean it'd be awesome dude that's incredible that's really cool because i I I think we were at one where i mean you would go have a table and you have to set it up yourself yeah and and that's expensive it ain't cheap god bless it yeah now there are other i remember you and i were talking years ago about um milestone Mm. and when that came out you know it it was dc's uh, multicultural arm. It was almost affirmative action for comics, but it was cool. And they it was put in cool. some really, really awesome characters. Um, uh, Icon, uh, one shockwave, which is uh, not shockwave. Static. Static shock. Thank you. That's still like, you know, even spread into like as far as, you know, the Justice League animated series, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But what's always fascinating me about that is that you have, you know, the... I don't want to say mainstream, but you have, you know, what everybody knows. Then you have this arm of books, mm-hmm. which is, you know, minority driven. And there's conventions for this. There's organizations That's for right. this. So now that you're in that association, is there also an arm of that for, you know, the African-American horror writers and things of that ilk? Uh, it looks like uh, it's all just one group right now. Okay. And I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, um, I don't know how many... I mean, honestly, I, I I don't know how many other black folks you know are are out there. It's like I know Octavia Butler, mm-hmm. and, you know, and uh, L. A. Banks who passed away a couple of years ago, and um, you know, there's a handful of us out there. I just met a gentleman uh, who's also in H. W. A. with me, Mark Abbott, who's also a fellow Brooklynite and everything else like that. And yeah, and you can imagine the the nerd session that the two of us <laughs> had. Like, oh my god. Um, and he's working on something right now, which is just amazing. It's like a, a, an angel on trial in heaven type thing. And it, yeah, it, it's like there, there's people out there, but um, 
you know, I, I don't know if it's enough to, to, to start a whole other side convention yet. If anything, I mean, I would probably just, just latch on to, uh, you know, East Coast Black Age of Comics or uh, the one in Detroit. Because there's a, there's a few that just pop up now every, in, in most, most cities where you find black folk. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a there's I've never now been a to those. What are those like? <laughs> um, are the meetings hard to get into? Do you uh, talk? For you, maybe. <laughs> All right. I, I, could, I could make a couple of calls Fair ahead enough. of time. Fair you. enough. You know. Because I think the Jewish ones happen around the same time. I'm not sure, Jonah, if that's correct or if they I don't know, man. This is not my. <laughs> but those, the expertise. people that started those conventions, I mean, I think you know, a, a lot of them a little older than us, and uh, I think their mindset was, you know, after seeing things, you know, so many years of the heroes with the word black in their name, and 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 seeing attempts at inclusion, but those attempts kind of feeling flat you know it, it and just the fact that you know between that and the few artists that are out there that are african-american that are actually doing stuff for dc and marvel and and you don't know like eric battle and i think we we've talked about eric battle who's done work on batman and specter mm-hmm. yeah, and all that other stuff and i don't know if anybody knows it Eric is a six one brother with dreads <laughs> that is the nicest guy in the world, but he's like super talented, but, but he's a brother and you will catch him at a convention just as easily as you will catch him at some, you know, Jim Bay festival. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, cause he's, you know, he's, what a, are the Jim Bay festivals like? I mean, are they hard to, they're very loud. Okay. I figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, Rob Gilroy, who, who, um, who draws chew, Mm-hmm. which is one of the best comics out there now, which is one of those fun stories where it's, you know, uh, you know, a, an Asian American main character written by a white dude, you know, drawn by a black guy. Like it's, it's almost like in the, what always gets me about the nerd world is that's the last place you expect, you know, bullshit to happen, you know? And it's all, and it's almost like we're so used to it that you don't think about, those characters like you know uh what's marvel gonna do with the black panther because you know they're gonna gear up towards it like are they gonna call it the black panther and pull the well the panther that's the name of the animal like like what are they gonna do you know yeah no i well i mean i I, i'm still trying to figure out what they're going to do in terms of a movie right you know um i mean i don't see did you see winter soldier I did see Winter Soldier. Uh, that's uh, that, like for me, set the standard for the new superhero fl- flicks. Yeah, like especially what they did with the Falcon, because I love the Captain in America Falcon series as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I didn't realize that was not a, a super team for the longest time. That Cap was something separate and Falcon was separate. I thought that was just so smart and just indicative of the time period. Most likely written by a white dude, but mm. still. Like I enjoyed it, and I love the inclusion of that character. Yes. And it wasn't the Black Falcon or the no. Black Condor, which oddly <laughs> enough was a white character. When you think about it, totally forgot about that. Freedom Fighters, nerd time. Nice. But, see, digging into crates, folks. We're <laughs> digging yeah. into crates. Yeah. Freedom Fighters. Let's let's uh, go back to being nerds. Somebody uh, gave you a Midtown uh, gift card. We were talking about this the other day. Oh my God! Yes. Do you have your phone? Because I, I like to bring up visuals I on podcasts. Do. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, so, yeah. So go ahead. Now, when someone gives you being, you know, nerdy guy who collects like myself and, you know, wants things, they go, here's a gift card to Midtown for. We're talking about Midtown Comics, everyone. Yeah. Sorry. Midtown (laughs) Comics. People uh, might think you're talking about the area of New York. uh, they give gift cards to a part of the city. They, if you live here, they do. They get a gift card to the mid to Midtown, uh, Midtown Comics. So you get a gift card for fifty bucks, and you end up spending uh, about three hundred, maybe. But then you feel like you're making money because you get when you spend X points. amount, you get points <laughs> if you tell them your birthday. So it's like uh, it's the it's, best it's day a, ever. Yeah. It is. Yeah, uh, I'll so, pass this around. So this this is buy? what I bought. Just describe because it. Because I have no self-control whatsoever. <laughs> oh, shit. It's, Steven is making that face. That is scary. That's phenomenal. It's, Dude. And this is because Marvel has basically screwed up their current incarnation of Dracula. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, a awesome. much bigger fan of the 70s original Marv Wolfman, you know, sort of like chintzy little mustache, the mustache guy i mean the whole the widow's peak the mustache even the the exactly the, the bat over here we'll, we'll, we'll share this this picture on our site so you can yeah. all see how we're all thrilled by it um so yeah it's uh it's about about 18 inches tall <laughs> and it's sitting on the coffee table and just to bring <laughs> things back because i realize you don't know this I inherited your coffee table. What? <laughs> Wait. Yes. The coffee table from the show? Yes. I Holy inherited shit. the coffee table. Because it was... It, it, here's the thing about Fuse. They've canceled so many shows that, um, you know, it, 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 they just have no storage space. So uh, someone who shall remain nameless was nice enough to let me have the coffee table. I love that. Yes. And and think about it. who else really has the decor that the coffee table that's would true. match. That's true. That's true. Yeah, just about me and that's about it. The that piece couldn't go into a lot of homes. No. It was a it was a magnificent coffee. And every time they would bring it out to kind of test it on a different show, I'd be like, God, I want this coffee table. God, I want this coffee. <laughs> who do I talk about about getting this coffee table? And I, I harassed people until they gave me the coffee table. And I think that's very smart because when that show ended, as did our tenure there, I think we all allegedly left with a few things, so it's very good that you were included with that. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that either. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. I did take a six-foot mummy from Fuse and carry it through <laughs> Penn Station with me uh, and brought it on the train with me because they were like, we're going to get rid of this. It was from one of the, maybe it was like a Sauce Halloween episode. They mm-hmm. had like this giant mummy, and I was like, what's going on with that mummy? And they were like, I don't know, I guess we're going to just like throw it out or in a closet. And I was like, I'll take it. And they were like, really? What are you going to do with it? I was like, take it home and put it in my, in my apartment. You're like, look at me. What do you think I'm going to do with it? I have a uh, Frankenstein I, car- yeah, I carried it home. I ca- went on the train. It, through Penn Station, nobody really looked twice because it's Penn Station. You know, Everyone's like, oh, dude with a mummy. Who cares? And then yeah. I got on the train and we actually had, I had people taking pictures with me and the mummy on the train ride home. Yeah, that's my question is how did you get the coffee table back home? Uh, it was in a storage space. I had a you know, brother with a van. <laughs> So Pick shady. it up. <laughs> you know, he. Uh, I was actually working, so he had to go get get the coffee table and just drive around with it until I got home. And um, then, yeah, then he, you know, pulled up and brought brought thing in, plopped it down. Finally, I slipped him some Score. money. <laughs> uh, Brookwater's Curse. So you self published the first one. So when you get a publisher, do you have to go? Okay, you can have this one too, or well, the deal that we worked out because we actually have like repackaging, re editing, new covers, the whole thing. 
Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of what happened. We re-released the first two along with the third. And that all happened in 2012. Right on. So, uh, I've started book four. I a little hard to say when book four will be released. Uh, I also, just a little side note, uh, I've just completed a serial killer novel um, that I will be putting out this year. Can we? Can you it's because I don't sleep. I, dude, <laughs> I don't sleep either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. so what you're saying is you should start writing more. I should be writing more. Yeah, probably. So uh, can you announce the title of the serial killer book? Uh, the title is The Genius. And it's a, the, the main character is a black female serial killer who, in all fairness, would probably kill Little Wayne just as easily as she would kill Rush Limbaugh, just for different reasons. I like. Man, I hope that's the, the tagline that you find on the cover. <laughs> Of the genius. She so, would probably kill Little Wayne. <laughs> some variation of that. I probably won't mention the actual names. Dude, I like, yet again, way to go for it. Because uh, one, serial killers, almost never women. And not too many stories written about them. Right. And then just tack on African-American. There you go. Smart. Well, Smart. I have my moments. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> but it's also like, I just love how it's, it's coming from, this is what I would want to see. And then it fills a void, you know? Yes. I just need to know one thing too. Uh, this is as a as a kid who grew up watching like horror and you know getting freaked out. And is there any horror movie that you actually don't enjoy? You can't watch it because it actually bothers you. You have that one where you're like, yeah, not you know what, not watching that. Actually, that bugs me. Can't. Well, you know, this uh, relatively recent wave of torture porn movies. I'm not into those. Not into like that. The Eli Roth I, stuff. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I mean. And once I saw Saw 1 and 2, it had to be a better way to say that. I don't that. really like watching that. Yeah, I yeah, it, but you know, yeah, exactly. It, it's like, I was like, I kind of get it. I certainly don't need to see 4, 5, and whatever, even though I think I've seen bits and you know, you're flipping channels in the middle of the night, whatever, right. and you say you catch part of this, part of that, whatever. Yeah. And uh, what's the the centipede business? I was just going to bring up human centipede, and everybody, yeah. everybody knowing that I'm a horror fan, annoyingly when it first came out, I was like, "Dude, did you see human centipede?" Oh my God. And I was like, "No, I don't want to see it." Like, what stitching somebody's mouth to somebody's asshole? Because what and, is there like, besides the pitch? Here's the idea: we're going to sew somebody's face to someone else's asshole, and, and then sew another face it. to that asshole, and then watch them crawl around. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. would I, do I think that's a horrifying experience? Would I want to be part of that? No. No, of course but not. Did you watch it? Did you watch the No, movie? I didn't. I, I read the premise and I thought about it. And again, because and I think you and I think the same way on this. It's like, you're, you know you're going to be fielding questions in right. your day-to-day life because, you know, people know us. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, like, okay, if I were hosting a show... On a regular basis, where I had to sit there and actually discuss all rant, you know, all sorts of horror stuff. This, that, and like, let's say I had my own podcast where I had, you know, certain expectations laid upon me. I'd be forced to have. I would feel like I'd have to do that because it's like pop right. culture, right, right, right. And I feel like I'd have to answer to it to a certain so degree. To, right. I don't have these things, 
I don't need to be bothered. <laughs> it's, it's, I can spare myself that. We so don't either. Know. We can't get canceled, I don't think. No. Nope. Nope. We can keep and that's, doing this yeah. as much as go. we want. Yeah, you could go to sleep right now. <laughs> but without the visual, without the visual, <laughs> it it's really not the... That wouldn't be the same Do you think it's? All. Do you think it's, right. like, it's like cheap? Like, I mean, look, whoever wrote Back to humans, the Human Centipede, like, do you think it's like just a cheap attempt? Like, okay, of course, whoever wrote that now is going to be... Now they got money and somebody bought it. Like, oh, sure. Like, it, would you ever think, like, maybe it's like... You know, and it is, it's like, it's a shitty, like, idea. You're going to get a bunch of people to watch it, and it's not expensive. And now, look at that, whoever directed it, I don't even know, but, like, that guy is now a director of horror films, which is something I would love to be doing. Would you ever think about, like, if you and I wrote, like... Like, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies. Like, that was, like, a whole huge <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's, like, it's I guess it's sort of a f- funny idea, right, but, but like, it's, like... Yeah, now is that, like, is, is it... But is it worth, like... Would you... Would you is I, it worth selling your soul... Like if you and I decide to co-write human dickipede and it's like uh, guys who stitch the dicks of other guys into each hand and they have to elephant walk around like, you know, human dickipede would do well. It, it Yeah, I, I, I feel what you're saying. <laughs> so uh, like if we wrote human dickipede and it worked and we got like a lot of money to make real movies, they'd be like from the directors that brought you human dickipede. <laughs> It's now some real shit. Like, you know, like the guy that wrote Human Centipede, they made part two of it. I don't even know what, yeah, it, there what it happens two. in part two. And like, they didn't call it Human Millipede, which I just think is a cop-out. They should have called it Human Millipede because it's... I like uh, Human Dickipede better. <laughs> but yeah, but Human Dickipede would sell, first of all. Or Dickipedia. Dickipedia. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there it is. And there it is. Um, <laughs> and then we can get money to make real things like that we care about, but then we'd still be the like, directors of Human Dickipede. Look, here's the thing. If I was the big marketing strategist, I... You know, I would be a lot further along with these three books from that standpoint right. uh, than I am now. Uh, obviously, a lot of, we wouldn't be the first people to create some nonsense that pulp culture latched on to so then we could get money and then just do whatever the right. fuck we want. Right. Um, like plenty of people do that. Like, like. George Clooney, of course, who, you know, started off ER and just doing random nonsense. You know, now he just makes movies just for the fuck of it. And right. it's always some shit he wants to do. It can make $10. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. Cause, right. you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can do ridiculous shit and then you just do it to write your own ticket. And then look at you starting with art to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Dumb. Because <laughs> you know you've had I, some dumb idea in the back of your head that someone else has done and it's pissed you off. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure that's happened to everybody sitting here. Nope. I have no ideas. Stop it. I just chat. <laughs> uh, uh, Brookwater's Curse available on publisher's website, Amazon, like everywhere else? Yes. Right on. Stephen Van Patten. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, fellas. Okay, so here's what's funny is whenever you get, whenever we have a podcast uh, and we put up online, we, you know, get a fun photo to put up and we get some really cool things. Um, Steve sent me a picture of himself uh, as Count Chocula. Wow. And he put it together and I was like, oh, dude, I can't put that together because one, we're just going to look like racist pricks. (laughs) 
if we do that. I'm like, you can do that. And he said, well, here's the picture it came from. And it was him as Blackula. And I was like, you asshole. We can't do that either. <laughs> Why can't we do it? Let's do it. Okay, fine. We'll do it. Let's do so, it. So if you're looking at the picture of Stephen Van Patten as Blackula out there, I he, feel like it's more racist. he gave us that. Yeah, it's more racist not to do it because you're scared to like offend. I know. I'm always scared to offend. Everyone is so easily offended these days. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's very hard. But it's also very... I think it's kind of cool that people are a little more vocal about it. And I loved hearing Steve's take on, you know, being African-American and into vampires. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, this is what I get? Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Mm-hmm. But what bugs me is like when people are like, say, like, say stuff at like no personal risk to them i don't know i feel like there's so much stuff like i'm gonna say this thing like congratulate me on how open-minded i am yeah it's like i feel like it's interesting like having someone like steve who like has like a real experience with this like i never thought about like growing up being into vampires and if i and not being white and not really being able to identify and like that to me is super interesting more than being like you know like don't like punch people in the face on the street like give me like a Look how great I am for saying that. It's like, yeah, yeah. everyone knows that, dude. <laughs> like, don't, like, I feel like you're saying the most obvious stuff to, like, I don't know. Cover the, I always find that. Sorry, I feel like this is just a thing that, like, well, I found that it's if just we, if, gotten so crazy. And and trust me, I love risky humor and I have my, my own, you know, uh, personal choices of what I don't say. But I find that the people that get offended are usually the ones who had that thought, you know? Yes. That, that I find to be the, the truest form. So it's very cool having uh, Stephen here. Check out his books. Uh, click on the links here on our wonderful page. And if, oh, speaking of clicking on links, there, there's a donate button there. There is. And you can do that. You, you can take that word and use it as its defined intention and take some money and give it to us because all we do is spend our money on it. And we'd like to break even at some point before we hit 200 episodes. Yeah, I think that would be nice because I check that PayPal every day and man, it's like a giant cavern of nothing. I do not know how to even even how to check it. I can barely even figure out how to check my email. Baron, well done. Well yeah. played. That's <laughs> why you. we have Brad who makes everything sound yeah. good. Hi, hire me to do some some technical work for you. Please, <laughs> please. You, oh, and if you want to check out Jonah's writings, he writes all the time. I do. I write a lot. I've been writing a lot of stuff for Noisy. Oh, um, oh and he has, a, he has a band. Of a band, United Nations. I have a web series called Sound Advice. So, um, Sound Advice, hilarious. Very, thank very, you, guys. Very thank funny. you, United thank Nations. You. Hilarious. Very funny. We, so funny. <laughs> yes, it's you know Jonah's love life. Hilarious. That is the funniest one of them all. <laughs> nah. Um, Brad and I live vicariously because you get married when you go. I am so tired of being single. <laughs> dating, <laughs> dating sucks. It yeah. does, I agree. <laughs> I agree. How can I never date again? Jonah's doing it. He's in a band. He's a stud. Yeah, man. Doesn't have to date. I'm 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 in a band with a a, a demographic that is a lot of dudes. Grind <laughs> grindcore groupies, ladies and not, gentlemen. That is not Love in an elevator. It is, it's it up as I'm going it's not what you down. think. It's not it's not it's not what you think, guys. <laughs> but it's I, I, every, yeah, it's cool. Anyone that anyone that supports anything that you do is is great. So I am whatever you look like, whatever sex you are, uh, check out stuff. Stop trying to not offend people. <laughs> <laughs> Go to facebook.com slash going up track. Send us an email. If it's an email about how long our intros and outros are, we'll read them. We'll disregard it, but we'll read them. Send us something incredibly offensive. Please, for the love of God, do it. <laughs> and uh, and also, thank you if you noticed that we got hacked and you emailed us about it. We really appreciate. We it. did. Yeah. Oh. Yep. It's cool. That's like how out of the loop I am. <laughs> Don't worry. I did what I always do. Tech thing, Brad. 
Sounds like we got Steve Van Hack. And see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.